0: Hey, Fidelity, can I get a second opinion on stocks in the Fidelity app?
1: With Fidelity, it's easy to get an outside opinion from independent experts in a single score. And then? When you're ready, trade U.S. stocks and ETFs with no
0: commissions. That's right. I am always right.
2: Investing involves risk, including
0: risk of loss. Sell order assessment fee not included. A limited number of ETFs are subject to a transaction-based service fee of $100. See full list at Fidelity.com slash commissions. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Market moving insight and analysis join Jim Cramer, David Faber and me, Carl Quintanilla on the opening bell hour of CNBC Squawk on the Street.
2: I'll say what I want to say and if if, uh, the consequence of that is losing money, so be it.
0: Elon Musk with Faber last night in Texas, covering everything from macro to AI to China to free speech. Good Wednesday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer. David Faber miraculously is back already at post night of the New York Stock Exchange. Some optimism around the debt ceiling today and regional banks uh, feeding futures, even as we keep an eye on targets earnings and getting some numbers cut on China's recovery. But we'll begin with the Musk interview. Uh, David, just remarkable and uh, and really a privilege that we got that much time, both on our end and his.
1: Yeah, I'm very happy to have obviously had the opportunity to speak to him for an hour. Always things that you don't get to because his views and er- his, his in- everything is so wide-ranging. Um, you know, of course, sorry we didn't talk more about space uh, or Starlink. But what we did talk about I thought was fascinating, and I hope for our viewers as well, whether it was, as you heard, sort of his position in terms of he's going to continue to tweet and tweet things that make a lot of people unhappy. Uh, he doesn't care. That's exactly what he said. Um, We talked a great deal about Tesla, which I think Jim is perhaps front and center for our viewers more than anything else Uh, as a company coming right after the annual meeting. A little bit of news that we got into in terms of he may start advertising, something he decided, as he said, in that moment on the stage, um, which kind of goes to how it works uh, to some extent there. Uh and then I, I you know I said this earlier on Squawk Box. but guys, I mean if we ever if you ever get a chance to, just to go down there to see to see the Gigafactory, it really is uh astonishing sort of. And I know there are others like I mean I think Fremont's even bigger, but oh my. Um, you know, Carrie and Todd and I we were just stunned at sort of what you're seeing physically and what they're doing and how they're doing it in terms of making those automobiles. Well, you brought alive the his term, pathological optimism.
3: Something that I think that we have not seen in our country since perhaps when President Roosevelt went to major companies like GM and said, listen, it's World War II and you must do this. It's almost like he's creating this because he understands the future and what needs to happen in our country. I found it very reverential to our own country, uh, which could have been, he's gotta be in a lot of different places, but I just wanna say for a moment, for a moment, our partner, Delivered an interview you search your mind if you're a journalist or anyone who's been following journalism for interviews that were significant uh, It made me think of uh, of the Roger Mudd interview with Ted Kennedy Where the interview starts and Ted Kennedy is the front-runner and at the end of it Ted Kennedy's out of the race I mentioned that because I haven't seen anything where I feel I now know what's happening with this man uh, He is knocking others out of the race of Not just engineering, uh, but even humanity in the sense of the question you asked him about your boy and what happens when they win, what happens when they are smarter than we are. I was chilled by that. There were Um, that many moments in this interview where I felt differently about someone after the before.
1: Yeah, I I, I was taken with the last uh, question or the answer as well, or in some ways the inability to really answer it, uh, which is partially why I asked it. Um, A lot of people, though, focused, of course, on really what was the first conversation I think that Musk has had around his um, endless tweeting uh, and the fact that he upsets a lot of people with tweets that seem to link to conspiracy theorists and the like. I asked him about it. Take a listen. Do your tweets hurt the company? Are there Tesla owners who say, I don't agree with his political position, because, and I know it because he shares so much of it? Or are there advertisers on Twitter that Linda Yacarina will come and say, you got to stop, man. Or, you know, I can't get these ads because of some of the things you tweet.
2: You know, I'm reminded of uh, the the a scene in The Princess Bride. Great movie. Great movie. Um, where he confronts the person who killed his father. And he says, um, I, Offer me money. Offer me power. I don't care. So you just don't care.
1: You want to share what you have to
2: say? I'll say what I want to say, and if, 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 uh, if the consequence of that is losing money, so be it.
1: There you go.
3: Citizen Kane, uh, I. Mean, it is funny that there are movies in your life, and I know you choked with Becky this morning about, uh, 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 about what... The the amazing amazing lines about Montoya gives. But I would say there is something to be said about a man who says, look, I didn't want to buy it. I had to buy it. And even though I had to buy it, I'm doing my own thing. Your reference to Linda Yaccarino, formerly of our organization, was very poignant because the previous people from who owned Twitter, who ran Twitter, were very concerned about what happens with the hate speech and how hard it is to get a consumer packaged goods company to go with Twitter precisely because of the things that someone like Musk might do. Impressions on that?
1: Uh, I think it's true. I think it's going to be interesting to see what and how many advertisers choose to come back to the platform. Uh, Elon would say that many already have chosen to do so. he's going to continue to be a lightning rod, there's just no doubt about it, and he's going to continue to tweet things that you look at and go, why is he doing that? And you know, I, I kept, I did ask him a number of times, I'm like, you can have your opinion, why why the need to share it? But clearly he feels that need. Um, beyond that, guys, though, I mean, I think so many other things, huh. whether, I don't know what we've got ready to go or share, but you know, Jim, I know you, you we work from home, advertising, I, I, Jim, do you want to weigh in, though, on, you know, we talked a lot about Tesla, of course. By the way, autonomous, which he always says is coming and he says is very soon. He did put a number of qualifiers on it. But we also talked about China, at least to some extent. And I thought he had some chilling things to say. And echoing, frankly, comments you make on this set oftentimes on Taiwan, I think we may have that as well. Love to take a listen and get Jim's reaction.
2: The official policy of China is uh, that um Taiwan should be integrated. Mm-hmm. One does not need to read between the lines. One can simply read the lines. Do you think? <laughs> so <laughs> I, I think there's a certain there's some inevitability to to the situation. That would not be good for Tesla, conceivably, or for any any company in the world, frankly. Yes, for any company in the world. I, I think most almost no no one realizes that. Uh, uh, the Chinese economy and the, global, the rest of the global economy are like conjoined twins. Uh, it, it would be like trying to separate conjoined twins. That, that's the severity of the situation. Um, and It's actually uh, worse for, for a lot of other companies than it is for, for uh, Tesla. I mean, I'm not, su- I'm not sure where you're going to get an iPhone, for example. I um, mean, Apple's recently started doing some, some sort of small amount of production in, in India, but it's tiny. Compared it's to tiny. Should.
1: Not to mention an advanced semiconductor chip if they take over Taiwan Semi. Correct. I so mean, you design your own chips, but you manufacture them at Taiwan Semi too, right?
2: Uh, we do some, we do, we do, we use Samsung and TSMC. Right. Um, but, uh... <laughs> but you <laughs> seem to think it's, it's likely to happen. I'm simply saying that that is their policy. And I think you should take their words seriously. <laughs> they mean it.
1: Jim?
3: Well, look, since 1949, uh, the breakup, China has vowed to eventually unify Taiwan. So, of course, Musk is right. And by the way, they said at that point, using force if necessary. Our country's changed its policy repeatedly. In 1982, Reagan announced that, acknowledged that the China position is there is but one China, which would agree exactly with what Musk said. And then uh, under uh, President Obama, in September 25, he had a meeting with Xi, where in the Rose Garden, they made it very clear that there was going to be independence and it was absolutely the right of the United States to be able to stay in South China Sea, which would mean stay in the Taiwan Straits, actually. And then immediately uh, Xi abrogated that and sent his Navy there. Now, our current, fork, our current policy is, well, then Trump had a policy, which he's told many people, which is that his first phone call was to Xi where he said he would drop a nuclear weapon on the top of Beijing if they made a move on Taiwan. Now, it was widely considered to be perhaps a bit hyperbole, but the president was given to that. And finally, our current position is really interesting because uh, we've sent obviously, uh, Speaker McCarthy's going over, uh, uh, you know, Nancy Pelosi's going over, but our current position is that we know that without America, Taiwan will be swallowed by China. China will control seaborne trade with South Korea. This is as of this morning, South Korea and Japan Will be shoved back to Pearl Harbor is the is the lesson of what we're supposed to be of what we fear, no longer Pacific power. What we've done is we have put soldiers on the ground. All right, we have special forces training teams on Taiwan, and our goal is to gradually increase our ground presence to advise on air defense, logistics, defensive barriers, which we believe, allied South Korea, will make it so the presence of American troops will deter China. That is this current policy. Uh, now, there are people within the government, our government, that are not as hard-line. The hardline policy is to make it into South Korea. So there is absolutely 100% truth to what, uh, if we did not do that, to what Musk says. But our current position, this is the first time ever, which is to put actual ground troops in to advise. You could say that's what we did in Vietnam. Uh, you could say that's what we did in South Korea. Uh, if you believe in the latter, that is our policy, and what he
1: says will not happen. You bring it up. By the way, it is you know there. If there is a, a checklist of things that, that leaders of organizations are thinking about these days, China is always right at the, at the top. It may also be joined now by AI. Something, by the way, we spoke to Mr. Musk about at length as well, or at least as much time as we had. Um, but this is a, I mean, to his point, conjoined twins. You know, you can't pull these things apart no, without terrible consequences. And right now, I mean, for instance,
3: we are, again, our policy is to say that you can't take the most sophisticated chips from Taiwan and give them to the PRC. Right. Now, sophisticated chips are made by Lamb Research. Initially, Lamb Research had $2.5 billion worth of equipment headed to China. Uh, and then that was blocked. Some more has been coming back. But we're right at the cusp of, uh, of, of two stocks that matter, Lisa Su at AMD and, of course, Jensen Wang in uh, NVIDIA where there, those are the chips, including particularly the uh, H1-100, which is the fundament of, yes, indeed, AI, Yeah. which we now learned, of course, the father of AI. There was some nice hyperbo- hyperbole in some points in an unbelievable interview.
1: Um, well, he believes their AI at uh, Tesla doesn't get as much attention and that That's it will have its, to, so it? to speak, GPT moment where, again, they go to full autonomy at the push of a button, essentially, or a software upgrade and that will change uh, the world as well, and claims that if they wanted to go to GPT, they could do that with all the computing power and the chips that they have. Um, another area we hit on, guys, that we've talked so often about it at this desk, and by the way, is sort of interesting given a journal story yesterday about the fact that businesses seem to be unable to get workers back as much as they'd like them to in the office, is Musk's belief, of course, that people should be working Five days a week in the office, but he put a a a, a bit of a different perspective, or certainly one that I have uh, rarely heard on it. Take a listen.
2: I'm a big believer that 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 people need to are more productive when they're in person, Um, and um, and 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 really, man, and the whole whole sort of work from home thing. It's like I I I think it's. Look, there are some exceptions, but I, I kind of think that, that the whole notion of work from home is, is a bit like the, you know, the, 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 f- the fake Marie Antoinette quote, let them eat cake. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like, it's like, really, you're going to work from home and you're going to make everyone else who made your car come work to the fact work in the factory? You're going to make the people who make your food that gets delivered that they, they can't work from home? The, you know, the, the, the people that, that come fix your house, they, they can't work from home, but you can? Does that seem morally right? That's messed up. You see, it as a moral issue. Yes,
1: I mean, I see it more as just it's, a, a, it's, a, a, it's, it's a productivity issue, but yeah. it's also
2: a moral issue. People should get off the goddamn high, uh, moral high horse with the work from home bull- um, because they're asking everyone else to not work from home while they do. And yet, it's wrong.
1: I had not heard that perspective. Um, the laptop class is in La La Land. Well, I mean, it did
3: feel. I thought that the Marie Antoinette uh, analogy was off. Uh, South Africans remember in Europe where there were basically serfs and others. I think that what he was describing was an inequality period where you basically have those who serve and those who do. It was a remarkable moment. I had not even for one minute thought that there were a a second class developing because of this. It was a remarkable moment. And I don't know how many people were really thinking like he is.
0: It's weird. Uh, someone who goes to your house to fix it uh, doesn't need office space that their employer needs to pay for. So you would imagine there'd be less pressure for a job like that to come back. That's true.
3: Now the surveys now show that there was a peak already in people coming back, and we're back down to fifty percent. Uh, the banks are hapless; they can't get their. A lot of the. By the way, there's a secret to all this, and people don't talk about it. It's the people who are thirty-five to forty-five who control it. They make it sound like it's a twenty-five. It's this middle it's, management. It's, it's that the middle support.
1: management that lives, that has a decent commute, that's got kids at yeah, home, a low, your smaller kids at home, that makes it very difficult. So yeah. why not if you can work from home? Why but not? Stop do Stop blaming the 25-year-old. they're no, just they, taking their cue from the 40. They want to. They want to come to the office. I think more often than not.
0: Although he, he seemed more animated about that than any topic you covered with him.
1: Yeah. Uh, he definitely was worked up about that. <laughs> See, and by the way, I mean, listen, there's all those people on the factory floor show up every day and in right. the offices as well. On top of it, uh, right. the endless off, you know, open floor plan there with people all working, obviously. In the OK, office. so many people asked me after, will he hire your son? And I said,
3: that's not the
1: point. Uh, We want to get to his, I thought, his comments about future work. We'll get to those hopefully later in the show. Yeah, uh, not to mention uh,
0: the macro, uh, which uh, auto sector is trading down a little bit on some of that. Uh, We'll get a lot more this morning as well, including these debt ceiling talks, uh, whether there's cause for optimism here after hearing from Jeffries and McCarthy this morning. Uh, Target earnings, of course, very interesting picture in there and the fallout for other retailers. There's a look at futures, though, pretty positive on this Wednesday. Don't go away. What's on the horizon for financial markets?
1: All right, you see, uh, some of the banks going to be up nicely this morning. Those regionals are keeping an eye on. Let's talk some more stocks with a mad dash here and one of the bigger names uh, that exists.
3: Well, I just felt that when we talk about Tesla and AI, we have to figure out who, and my travel trust, I have a meeting today at noon, talks endlessly about who's really the winner and who's not. Now, Barclays puts out a very sound note. Don't call it a comeback. AI has been here for years saying that You cannot discount all the things that Alphabet has been doing, deep mind, apropos of what you talked about last night. And I just say that there is a growing belief that Alphabet really is uh, not for show, that they really do have some offerings. It's not bloated. Maybe there's going to be a little gap in revenue, but they are going to have uh, maybe high single-digit growth in this. Now, David, uh, when I listened to what you talked about and the curious and somewhat tortured relationship with with a, with, with AI, with OpenAI, AI. Open Between, AI. Well, yeah, holy I mean,
1: cow, uh, Elon I, Musk is not happy with OpenAI. There AI was with a, a
3: mix mixed references to Alphabet, but
1: he also actually derided Waymo. That's exactly right. Yeah. We can do that. I've been trying
3: to go back and forth with the people at GM about where GM is versus uh, you know they've got to consider. Uh, Kyle, Vogt, uh, Kyle, vote has this initiative. He's within GM, but actually a separate company about autonomous. But I just like what the Barclays uh, piece said is because a lot of people are confused. Like if Bing is coming back, what's this? What is this about? Yeah, and that's about the decision to suddenly speed up AI. Or they would say, listen, we've been doing it all along. But I just felt that. The, uh, This is somewhat in in, uh, reverence and reference to what you talked about because the AI brutality, what it sounds like behind the scenes, I did not know about until your interview.
1: Yeah. Uh, there's, a, there's some friction between open AI, I mean, which Musk says, of course, would not exist were it not for him. And, and the for-profit route they've gone, in part at least, maintaining the five. Twice, price. and that's from the
3: old article, something about in 2012, when Google was saying, listen, we're open and we're not going to make money. Yeah. And there were these
1: series of... But articles. I mean, to Google, though, the question we've raised to Alphabet is, are they behind Microsoft now, given ChatGPT and how... in important it is to Microsoft's future in terms of the enterprise, the way they're incorporating it in so many of their tools.
3: Yes. Now, against that is this has become the de facto way, if you want to incorporate what NVIDIA has, they've become almost like the Accenture or EY for this era. You go to them like Wendy's did to figure out how to do drive-through. Microsoft you go to, frankly, if you just say, listen, we've got an existing relationship. How do we use AI? If you want to make it so AI is practically integrated instantly, these guys are really making a very strong pitch.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, Alphabet shares, as you see, of course, had a very good week last week on the introduction of that IO, that uh, operating system, and uh, sort of the reintroduction uh, of uh, of their AI products. The opening bell is just a few minutes away, in fact, five minutes away, followed by more of my exclusive interview with Elon Musk. Keep it here.
0: The only thing I'm confident about is now we have a structure to find a way to come to a conclusion. The timeline is very tight, uh, but we're going to make sure we're in the room and get this done. uh, But you're not confident
3: that there will not be a debt default?
0: Look, I think at the end of the day, we do not have a debt default. I think we finally got the president to agree to negotiate. Speaker McCarthy, last hour on Squawk, weighing in on yesterday's discussions about the debt ceiling of the White House. Jim, he's definitely taking a win on process uh, that he got the president to negotiate. Meanwhile, White House is going to cut short this foreign trip. Uh, the Dems are going to work on a discharge position. There's a lot of moving pieces. A lot
3: of better things. I thought that that trip had to be cut short. What I thought was interesting, if you go back to I always use the analog 2011. I know it can be boring, but it's when it happened. Uh, When you got a a process, which was the sequestration process, then you began to get genuine movement. A lot of people were surprised that Republicans offer a strategy. Obama doesn't fall for it, but plays with it as painful as it was. David, it's entirely possible that if they do have a structure, that takes the 14th Amendment off the table. Maybe it takes the uh, idea of of script for your treasuries. But I want to see that short-term treasury come down.
1: Uh, Jim, any concern on your part that we get a preemptive downgrade by one of the rating agencies just because we're doing this again? I,
3: it, I would be more concerned if it were not for the incredible attack that Tim Geithner launched on the organization by basically saying that they had failed Mac. This is
1: when S&P downgraded yeah, S&P U.S. Remember, US T- debt Tim in Geithner. 2011.
3: is a very calming influence, basically would... With- tell you, I've never seen a lack of, of rigor like that was offered. So I think the S&P doesn't want to go there if they ever want to be attacked again like that. It was so brutal as to make you feel like that they were push linked.
0: Meantime, opening bell here at the exchange at the big board. It's the Energy Trading Institute and the chairman of the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, Willie Phillips. By the way, happy birthday to the NYSE today. Uh, Buttonwood agreement today, and I think 1792. Oh, jeez. At the NASDAQ, it is Elmo uh, recognizing Mental Health Awareness Month. We fill back in here to 4130, Jim. I do I do wonder if you think the market applauds a deal, or if then the market gets comes to grips with the austerity that would be involved in that. Th-
3: this was, jeez.
0: The austerity that
3: appeared to be the case in 2011, regard- just changed the market entirely. So the stocks that were doing well going into the debt agreement, that you could find, they were broad-based. Coming out of it, they were, with the exception of Chipotle, nine out of the top ten were all totally defensive stocks, believing that a recession had to be upon us. Uh, it didn't happen. The economy turned out to be stronger, recovered. Uh, I'd like to play it that way for okay. those who think that. We're going to be focused on recession. I think that you've just tweeted something interesting about you versus V.
0: Yep.
3: And I am definitely a believer that we get through with this, then there will be an off to the races component that broadens the, what otherwise has just become AI worship.
0: Well, uh, it kind of brings us to Target and what some are calling in the retail space hockey stick guidance, right? We're going to guide lower on the quarter. We're going to keep the full year.
3: Well, look, I think that Brian Cornell is a unique merchant in the sense that he is more focused on inventory than anyone else I know. And the inventory of the meeting, and remember, David, that uh, the great Mickey Drexler taught us this. If you have the wrong inventory, you're done. And his inventory is low to begin with, but his inventory of discretion, of the electronics, of just these areas that have become the dead zone, is very low, so therefore he does have an opportunity through beauty, through food and beverage, through household essentials to have, I think, a very good second half.
1: Um, it's something you've talked about a number of times, and we've talked about is shrink, uh, or shrink Gidge if you want to call it that. Um, as you read uh, Mr. Cornell's comments in terms of the quarter and what their expectations are and cost-saving efforts, what we're talking about when we say shrink is is uh, is stealing, and. Uh, Guys, half a billion dollars potentially hit to profits from stealing uh, is not something to be ignored. It's like
0: like 90 cents, isn't it? I mean, it's like a big number on an EPS Yes, it
1: is. And Brian spent a
3: lot of time with me talking about it, uh, even to the point of talking about, well, who's behind it? Uh, Petty theft or organized crime. Right. Uh, organized crime is, is some now. Uh, let's just understand. He's been willing to talk about it, and one of the reasons why he's willing to talk about it is because he has made a statement to certain communities, like the San Francisco Mission uh, Mission uh, Street, where I went and saw a breakout, literally a all at once drop one thing, everyone runs out with product, and he said, "Listen, we're not abandoning these stores. We would just like help with the government." And David, I have to tell you, he's he's a leader in this. He's just not, he, he didn't, I, I, yeah, I, I, my I, only dispute I had was I he, said, listen, you closed a terrific store in Philadelphia. He said, well, listen, let's just not focus on individual stores.
1: We're focusing on staying. In I would areas. assume, though, at that kind of a number, it's happening all over the place. It's not uh, I just know confined from, to uh, right. to some hard-hit metro areas. Uh, others
3: have not been uh, as, uh, let's say, transparent. But the numbers are in uh, well into the billions. Uh, and a lot of it is often um, done by website where you'll go and you'll see, say, a Home Depot, uh, a Home Depot, one of their, well, one of their house brands, and you'll say, "Well, I want to click on that." Home Depot does not sell its house brands on Amazon,
1: so there you So you've right, got it's it. not just store; it's all sorts of other fraud. Char- and it's or, it's organized Crime. Yes,
3: it's very it's organized, and a lot of it is uh, also. This is one of the things that Prime would not go there, and I don't blame him. But uh, Carl, it's it's at the the uh, distribution center. Really yeah oh, wow there's uh, for some there's been uh, organized crime within the distribution centers. I'm not saying Home Depot would say i just I don't single them out but just that the big DCs have been um, Home Depot has been doing I think a very good job. Uh, TJX, what we're talking about, has been doing an excellent job, but they've put a huge number of people in their stores undercover. Wow. Uh, and, and that has helped them. They had a very bad pilferage. Their shrinkage number was reported last time. They have cut their shrinkage dramatically by undercover agents. But others have to worry about the organized crime aspect of the, of the, uh, of the distribution center and how easy it is to pay someone to get that on the Web.
0: I had not heard that. So uh, coming off of HD yesterday and the biggest revenue miss in 20 years, is there a reason to to look at R.H. here or or William Sonoma? Well, R.H., that was
3: what, Warren Buffett? Uh, William Sonoma. Look, Look, Laura Albert's doing a very good job, but it's it's what people are. This, again, is the problem. We bought everything. Remember, we're. We're uh, long on money and we're short on time. We bought everything we needed at home. And that, again, is one of the reasons why Brian Cornell is such a genius, in my opinion, does get nearly enough credit. Because what has he been focused on? He's been focused on, uh, and you look at what, I mean, there, there are remarkable numbers. He's focused on threshold, good and gather, cat and jack, up and up. Room essential. No, what are these? I'm reading. I'm reading the 11 billion dollars worth of uh, the 1 billion dollars worth of each one of these private brands. Three billion for Cat and Jack. So what he's done is make it so that he has what a style that we've only seen from Costco with the Kirkland brand. You're trading
1: up to Target goods, and that has helped his margins. incredibly. Um, I wanted to come back to a story we followed yesterday, uh, which is the uh, decision by the FTC to try to block Amgen's $28-plus 1000000000 deal to acquire Horizon Therapeutics, uh, maker of two large orphan drugs. Uh, the complaint is out. They filed in Illinois. They're going to be seeking, of course, a temporary restraining order. Um, stocks up a bit. You know, in speaking to people close to Amgen, uh, they are certain that they have a winning case and that they will, if it comes to it, defeat the FTC in court. Um, th- those who are less, perhaps, biased in reading the complaint, at least, that I have had an opportunity to speak to, I think it's a weak, it's a weak complaint. It talks about bundling, in particular, and the power of bundling that Amgen would have with PBMs. But, in this case, these drugs are not bundled. They're sold directly to hospitals, directly to doctors, because they're orphan drugs. And Amgen seems uh, focused on showing as well that when it has bundled, it's done biosimilars to get lower-cost drugs into the market, or it's actually bundled, not to exclude others, though, from doing so. Um, again, they feel they have a very strong case. And in fact, there is a belief that you could actually see some period of litigators' kind of prepare for six weeks or so, and then some sort of a settlement around bundling that would not be a major hit in any way to the transaction, allowing it to close. Will that happen? I don't know. Um, But there does seem to be a belief, perhaps, that this thing won't even make it to the inside of a courtroom, Jim, because the FTC's case is not really a case. It's just done to chill deals uh, at the behest of both Lena Kahn and Elizabeth Warren. I think you're so right. Uh, when you have these
3: big pharma's and you see them buy a drug from a smaller company, you've covered all these, David. A lot of it is because they have fantastic people at an Amgen who can evaluate which of these is right and therefore willing to buy. It's a, it's kind of like a farm team that goes to a major, but the fact is the farm team is not beholden to the major at all. That was what you would have if you had a captive farm team. Then I could see maybe they, they have a case. I don't think they seem to understand the way that drugs like great ballplayers are developed. And it shows you a, a, a very lack lack of knowledge about the process. Kind of shocking. Yeah. Or ideologically so blind as to make it so that the, back to the Lena Kahn view, that mergers
1: are making rich people rich, uh, which, but then I wish I, that were not, I wish I were making that up. Um, yeah, there's a reason we're going to continue to focus on this, just because it's a, yet another example in a rare, an area that is rare has been rare for the FTC to choose to bring uh, an action. Yeah. This it is yeah. rather amazing. Uh, now, but how about
3: Hawk Tan trying to, with Broadcom trying to get that deal done?
1: Yeah. There's so,
3: everyone, a lot of deals that we all kind of thought were just deals that, oh, they announced and they closed X. Ooh.
1: Well, they, right, you're talking VMware. Yes, you're, and you're I'm talking saying, the CMA as well, get, where they where they exactly, have issues. Exactly, trying to get in, that in, done in in, in, the, in England again, which we've talked about with Microsoft Activision. Oftentimes, yeah, right. it continues to be a real question.
0: We got, uh, I think it's a record now for terminated bank deals in a year. After actually after TD First Horizon, um, and you know Pfizer, uh, the C Gen deal, uh, a lot of corporate debt moving the corporate debt market on that. I know they, they're down twenty bucks on the year. Well, look, I look at
3: again. That's the same thing. You have a a franchise. Well, there they need the franchise. They don't. I mean, they don't have it. Uh, they they need the Cgen drugs, which are very particular cancer. David, one I want to ask you about. You know, AbbVie was very interested in Prometheus. One that was bought by Merck. Yeah. AbbVie has a anti you know autoimmune franchise second to none. <laughs> FDC would just say, "Are you kidding me?" To that one, your, your, your franchise is so weak that you have to go close off their own franchise and not put more money toward that and instead buy a new company? I mean, if the FTC goes down this path, none of the smaller companies has the money to be able to make what they think.
1: Prometheus didn't have enough money to be able
3: to launch the big stage three trials they
1: needed. Right. Well, that is often the case. And that's why we report on these deals, usually at very large premiums, where a big pharma is buying a company that is in, you know, has phase two. There's still some risk or early phase three, but again, to Jim's point, it's very expensive. A lot of these companies don't have a sales team to begin with as well if it's a drug that's gonna be broadly sold uh, in that way, and so that's what they do. And the idea, again, back to Horizon, is if you chill that, you know, are you actually stopping innovation as opposed to enhancing it? Um, Guys, wanted to talk a little more about AI, you know, as we should every day. Obviously, many of us listened to Sam Altman on the Hill yesterday. Uh, from OpenAI, and I sat down with Elon Musk. It was later in our interview where we got to a number of uh, uh, his thoughts about AI, including whether it has a chance to destroy humanity. Take a listen. You talk about em- enhancing humanity. Uh, you know, I'm curious then about AI, uh, which many people say will lead to great productivity gains. You showed those robots. I mean, I can imagine what they conceivably could do when powered by AI, but I'm also curious because you've certainly been concerned. What percentage do you give the chance that it will destroy humanity?
2: Well, the the advent of artificial general intelligence is uh, called a singularity because uh, it is so hard to predict what will happen after that. it, I think it's 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 very much a double double-edged sword. I think in, it's there's there's a there's a strong probability that it will make life much better, uh, and that we'll have an age of abundance, um, and and there's some chance that it goes wrong, um, and uh, destroys humanity. Hopefully, that chance is small, but it's not zero, um, and so I think we want to take whatever actions we can think of to minimize the probability that AI goes wrong. And
1: you've called for a pause along with a number of other people.
2: Yes, I, I look when I called for the yeah, a, a, friend, a friend of mine Max Tegmark who is a physicist at, at uh, MIT um you know I wanted me to sign on to the letter and it, it's it's like I th- I I knew it would be futile. It uh, is futile. There's it's no, futile. No. I, I knew it would be futile. I just want to call it like it's one of those things well for the record I recommended that we pause. Okay. Uh, did, did I think we would there would be a pause absolutely not.
1: Would not go into any detail whatsoever uh, about XAI, which is his nascent attempt, it would seem, to compete with OpenAI slash Microsoft and or Alphabet. Just said, you know, it's too complex for a conversation right here. So don't have much to share on that.
0: Yeah, he said now's not the time. No. Uh, To talk about that kind of stuff. And then trying to, like, I, I think take credit for OpenAI and yet take credit for being cautious, telling Larry Page, he was being cavalier. I thought that was interesting.
1: Yeah, he's mentioned a number of times this conversation he had with Larry Page many years ago around DeepMind when Page called him a speciesist, meaning that he was, you know, in favor of the human species, uh, implying somehow that Page is not. <laughs> um, I will say, though, the robot video that was shared at the annual meeting uh, was fascinating. He has talked about and did again at the at the meeting the the possibility. I mean, this could be a product line for Tesla in the future. Uh, I don't know if we have the video or we are even able to show it, but and powered by AI potentially, uh, at least AI in the data center communicating with the with the robots. But that there could be one for every person on the planet, if not more. In fact, yesterday he upped it. Previously he talked about one for one. Now he's talking about maybe two for one. So you know, 16 billion or more of these robots. Right. That was
3: a little scary. I, I wish he had gone a little bit more into what seems to be a subtle rivalry between uh, Musk and Jensen Wong, who also showed me the robot that I could have that could bring my coffee to me and do other things. Remember, the reason I mention is because who makes these chips for autonomous? You know, NVIDIA spent a huge amount of money developing fantastic chips. Obviously, this slight against Waymo was brutal
1: by Musk when it comes to to, uh, the driving, to yeah, he's just say, we're so out. far ahead. He really does feel as though somehow they don't get credit for it. One reason why at least he seems to be considering doing some advertising. He feels like, you know, the he's he doesn't want to just continue to preach to the converted, he wants to actually spread the word about what Tesla has done, where its prices are, uh, its safety record, and what he does believe and has said so many times and not delivered on yet, full autonomy is so close.
0: Well, I think it explains the timing of your interview, too, right? And some of the others that he's done. He, I think we'll see. To, he's going to have to do more earned media and, and paid media.
1: Yeah, he may. You know, he talked about advertising in a very general way, but wants it to be beautiful, wants it to have real content that is of interest to people. Again, had not thought it through very much at this point. So oh. I, I mean, don't know I, that we'll be seeing Tesla ads uh, on after, during our breaks.
3: Well, you, you mentioned Super Bowl. I thought that was terrific. I mean, wouldn't that be something to see a... A Steve Jobs-like Apple ad the Super Bowl <laughs> that we'd all talk
1: about for years. Um, we will share later in the show, Carl, I think, his final answer, which I just thought was fascinating in terms of the future of work and what it will look like and how you would advise kids going into the workforce. Not now, but stay tuned for that. No, that was great was, when you asked about
0: your own yeah. kids and the, the yeah. conversations we're all thinking about as parents.
1: And then there's those
3: moments where nothing said, and I've been in those interviews where I said something. And, and nothing said was then the, the mic's ripped off and you just say, oh,
0: darn, I didn't mean to
3: go there.
1: No, he was so thoughtful, damn it. He just, he, he pauses to think. He, he, he really tries to think about it, um, which is fine. I, it was interesting to be a part of that, just watch his I brain. Think he
0: understands the impact of his words, so he's not going to mess yes. around.
1: Well, yes. And no. And no. Yeah, yeah that's and a good no. point.
0: Um, on, the, on the banks today, Jim. Uh, There's more discussion about Western Alliance maybe playing this post-SVB world pretty well.
3: I thought that was – I'm so glad you mentioned that because I've been waiting for the short squeeze to develop. People are concerned, of course, that the fees, we don't know how high they are. Uh, If you talk to Wells Fargo, which is a big position for my charitable trust we be talking about again at the 12 o'clock meeting, uh, it's very clear that the banks are a little bit more strong strong than people realize. There were – everyone has kind of distanced themselves from the banks that went wrong. Uh, this banks on your screen are all susceptible to a short squeeze, given the fact that none of them seems to have much in, you know, in, in the way of deposit theft. Key and Huntington, in particular, are pointing out as being quite, doing quite well, fifth, third, doing quite well. So, I mean, if you want to know which one you want to go get them, remember, they're all part of an ETF, so it's difficult to get it going.
0: We'll bang out a couple more. Uh, ServiceNow now. Uh, going to get into the buyback game, uh, and that's going to be about a three-month high.
3: I think that that was a very good analyst day. I wait to see what they're going to do. I think that in AI, they have a chance to be a, a leader. Uh, I, by the way, Mark Benioff is doing a lot with chat uh, GPT, not necessarily with NVIDIA, uh, but ServiceNow, yes. Uh, I, I think that Bill McDermott had has had a much better run than people realize here, and the stocks to reflect that. And then
0: finally, really quick, are Barclays on win. Uh, rally just getting started.
3: Yep, that was great. My Chapter just knows We've been waiting. That stock goes to 150, we think, because they finally got out from under China. But Vegas is a star there. And that's something that no one thought. Uh, this one it has people thought it peaked. And I do think that if you go back to where it was a few years ago, you know, it can go much higher.
0: We'll keep our eye on that. Some travel names are doing well. In fact, the best gainer of the uh I think the week so far is going to be RCL. Maybe it's maybe it's month today. So it's going to be RCL twenty percent gain. Uh, bonds this morning, we'll watch those as well as we keep an eye on the debt ceiling discussions. Ten years still around four one, as the Dow's up one fifteen here, and so the S and P forty one twenty five. Don't go away. Busy week for retail, as you know. TJX is going to be one of the bright spots today. Uh, Share is highest since about the middle of February. Comps come in at the high end. They say fiscal Q2 off to a good start. Pretty decent uh, conversation about margins and EPS. We'll watch that with Walmart on deck tomorrow. Take a short break here. Be back in a moment.
3: Time for Jim and Stop Dreading. Carl, last I wrote a missive to uh, club members about how if you parse the Home Depot call, You really actually heard many positive things, and it was weather and it was lumber, and I felt that the stock was unfairly uh, beaten up. And here it is. The stock is now down 80 cents from where uh, it (laughs) fell yesterday. So you're basically talking about a stock that's unchanged as people realize, wait a second, Home Depot had a darn good quarter and a good forecast. So this market, you may say, is, is a forgiving market. What I would say is this is a market where we were prepped for disaster and we didn't get it, and that's what matters to me.
0: Yeah, pretty much filling the, the earnings gap uh, Yes, morning,
3: exactly. Now, some will say it's a head and shoulders. I know David was thinking of that when he was interviewing Musk. The, 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 I the technician to bring him, that he is. Yes, I, you know, I remember. What is what is the line about revenge in Prince, Princess Prime? No, 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 no. I've done so much revenge. Offer me that- money.
0: <laughs> offer me power. <laughs> I want my father back. Well, that's the last one. But yeah,
1: the other revenge. There's so many great lines. I so. just Mandy. so many, Mandy. I mean, Mandy's I've used Mandy's the best. mostly dead thing for uh, weeks
3: but
0: now. There's a lot on, about on Months
1: on Ideation suicide. Great
3: deal about suicide in that movie. Jim, how about tonight? Well, yes. Um, we've got Chuck Robbins and Cisco. Uh, and then we have On Semi. By the way, On Semi is the number one semi in this group. Hassan made this thing into an industrial semi. And autos, and we know autos are still the hottest part of what's left of an economy that people think are some tatters that I disagree on. Once again, congratulations to our partner for a tour de force interview.
0: Thank uh, you, indeed. Thank and we'll, you. we'll talk some more autos as we continue to slice and dice David's exclusive with Elon Musk from last night with a Dow up 90. Don't go away. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Squawk on the Street disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Squawk on the Street Disclaimer.
2: Imagine earning a degree that prepares you with real skills for the real world. Capella University's programs teach skills relevant to your career so you can apply what you learn right away. Learn how Capella can make a difference in your life at capella.edu.